Amen, amen. I'm really looking forward to uh, a new phase, and I, I agree with Dad, but what a, what a blessing. When we left um, California, we were praying about what to do with that building, and we just didn't feel like trying to turn a profit on a church was what we wanted to do. And we just sold it for what we had into it, which we certainly could have got a lot more. In fact, people, after we had accepted you know, the terms with the one group, another group would come in and they said, well, we'll pay you more. But um, now in, in the scheme of things, then God brought us something that we couldn't afford. So I just think that the Lord is faithful in those things. Amen. And while we're going to get rid of the bad spirits, just don't bring any other ones in there with you. If you got any bad ones, leave them here. We'll let this place clean them up. A or something to deal with them. I don't know. Uh, turn to your uh, Bibles to the book of James. I can't, um, I can't get out of where, where the Lord has me. And I don't apologize for it. But there are times uh, that as a minister, I, I, there's times where being an evangelist, I think, is a, is a blessing. Brother Mann, for example. You can just come in and cheer the crowd up and, and uh, bring an encouraging word and enthusiasm and you go to the next place and you can do the same thing. I think that would at times have its drawbacks too. But in pastoring, shepherding, it requires that we deal with the fundamentals of what it takes to develop into the people God wants us to be. Amen. And I think about that in the terms of coaching. I coached football for a, a long time and wrestling for a long time. And in both of these, but especially in football, we had a, I, I frequently had parents who understood football much better than I did. And the problem is this. You can sit back and you can criticize, but unless the fundamentals are being developed, then you have nothing to criticize. So there are times I remember um, being a coach. Um, I called out one of, one of our coaches, and they've called me out a few times. Uh, our our um, athletic director, who was an atheist, and who we had developed a pretty good relationship, and I tried to share the Lord with them. But I remember one time specifically, um, I was getting on our kids because they were not tackling correctly. They were, they were just grabbing at guys. And he said, he grabbed, he grabbed me, he said, hey, coach, um, when was the last time we did tackling drills in practice? Yeah, probably been a couple of weeks. Well, there's your answer. And likewise, I had to get him one time. He was chewing our cornerback out who got burnt over the top. I said, hey, coach, uh, when was the last time we did uh, defensive back drills into individuals? You got me. That's right. So point being, if we don't teach the fundamentals of godly living, then it's really hard for us to expect that people would know them. Really hard. We've got to understand that there is just some things that we've got to learn. We've got to grow in. This verse came to my heart in, in light of this, and this is James 1.19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Jesus, I pray that you would help me tonight to deliver what you have placed in my heart. God, I pray that we would be encouraged and that you would develop in us the fundamentals of Christian living, of following you and what it looks like. And Jesus, let our lives bring you glory as a result of it. In your mighty name we pray and everybody say amen. <clears throat> One of the qualities of manhood... I said I wanted to deal with three of them. We could obviously subgroup, we could spin off, we could go a lot of directions, but just for the, for the point of brevity, I think that I want to deal with three of them. I talked about last week that I believe that God has made men to be lords. I believe that. And I hope you've been thinking about that this week. In the terms of what dominion means, what it looks like, it doesn't look like domineering, it looks like leading, possessing, owning, taking responsibility. But then the second thing, and I want to deal with tonight, is 
that we are to be learners. We need to be, God has created us to be lords, but he has made us as men to be learners. Now this is going to apply to you women too though, for sure. That for every man, woman, child, this verse comes to mind. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak. We were talking about this the other night and dad made the point that uh, I said, dad's quiet. And he said, yes, God's given me two ears and one mouth. And I said, I think God gave me two mouths and one ear. (laughs) Swift to hear. This is not just in the sense of having the ability to hear, but in the sense of learning or receiving from others. This is part of our growth. We we struggle with this um, because it is not natural for us to want to take leadership from anybody else and especially us as men come on all the men say amen right there just not natural it isn't i said this a few weeks ago there comes a point in a young man's life where he no longer obeys his mother it just becomes very difficult we need to work in honor we need to teach what honor means we need that looks really similar to obedience but it's not obedience it's honor it's not a, a command and i must do it it's i'm choosing to do it because i honor my mother and that's what we got to deal with. But this, there is a difficulty as we grow and develop into manhood that we do not naturally take orders from other people well. I would not do well in the military while I appreciate all those who did. I, man, I, they would have to break me like a, like a really strong-willed horse. I, I just I don't like being told things. And I, I think that we all can agree that we're all pretty much the same in that. Um, but... In order for us to operate in the dominion that God has intended for our lives, men. In order for us to operate in the submission that God has intended for our lives, women. Then we need to be taught. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you need to be taught. It will require that we are taught to do something that we do not yet know. There are some things, I know this is going to shock some of you tonight, there are some things that you don't know. There are guys that I know, there are women that I know, that have done everything. And should you dare open your mouth and suggest something you've done, they've done it bigger, better, and greater. They can educate you on every single thing that you've ever thought of doing. Everybody's laughing because you all know people like that. Let's not be people like that. There's just some things you don't know. And I'm going to suggest this. I I made this point last week, but I think that our generation, while we have access to the knowledge so readily with all of this, I've, I've thought about this even in my lifetime. When I first started studying the scripture, there were not Bible programs to help you with that. Computers had just... They, I mean, I remember I was like ty- having to type in my senior year in high school, probably the first time I ever had to type any papers. Up until then, it was all written. And then there was barely any internet. Nobody had it. And if you did, it was like, and it took forever to load and all that. Now, within the push of a button, there is access to almost an infinite amount of theological information. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage too. But just thinking spiritually... There's an infinite amount of, 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 with Wikipedia and all these encyclopedias online and everything, you can find information almost immediately. And yet we live in the stupidest generation, I think, in the existence of mankind. When I read some of these old-time authors, guys I like to read um, from you know, the 1800s or the, uh, you know, that, that time frame, many of these guys spoke five languages at 11 years old. And most of our kids can't speak without saying like and um. Dude and bro. I know, I didn't mean to offend you guys, bro. We live in a generation of educated idiots. We do not know that we have access. Why? Because our generation thinks worse than probably any generation that it knows better than the last generation. It is really difficult to be a learner in our age. It's not because it's not available. It's because of the preconceived ideas that we have. I dare say 
though you all love me dearly and I love you. Sitting here tonight, I dare say I will say things that, that maybe every one of you, if not some of you, will say, you know, I just don't agree with that. And it's not that, I, I'm not trying to say that I know everything. That's not the point of what I'm, I'm about to say here. Why in the world do you think you have the opportunity or the right to disagree with the word of God being preached? Not, that doesn't make me infallible. That doesn't make me perfect. I'm speaking to perspective. You understand what I'm saying? The perspective that, that somebody would study and deliver what, what the, the Lord would have us to say. And there's this natural opinion within us that we don't believe that we need to receive what has just been spoken. It's a natural thing. It's something that we have to fight consistently. How can you know if you do not learn? That's really the question. That's the point I was making to begin tonight. How can you know if you do not learn? This is paralleled in the scripture concerning preaching where the apostle says, how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear unless somebody preaches to them the gospel? And how can somebody preach the gospel unless they are sent? How lovely are the feet of them that bring good tidings. The gospel of peace. Same process. But we think, okay, well I'm saved and now I've got it. Now I've got it figured out. And, and the longer we go along in our salvation process... The truth is, the more likely we are to believe that our opinions are equal with someone else who would be trying to teach or speak something into our lives. The biggest threat to your growth is your opinion. Pastor said it's okay to say amen. The biggest threat to your growth is your opinion. Because your opinion is going to stand in opposition to everyone else's opinion. I happen to know this very well because I'm very opinionated. And so you always are going to think you're right. How then do we, how do we grow? How do we become different than the men of this generation? I don't know that this was as necessary uh, 150 years ago. But we... Men cannot be men that look like this generation. Women, you cannot be women that look like this generation and be godly. You can't be in the function of your homes the way God intends it if you copy what this generation is doing. You find the finest of this generation and it is opposing the word of God. Both men and women. How do we know then? Because our opinion is natural that what we think what we're doing must be right. Hey, if God wanted me to, to believe something different, he would tell me. He is. Tonight, he is. He's going to tell you some things that you don't know. He's going to challenge you in some areas that you don't yet understand. I, want you, I got a lot of scriptures and I'm just going to try to stay in the word because I, sometimes, again, we can... We can deflect from what the Lord wants to say and we can just say, well, that's just Pastor Rodney's opinion. And that's true. I, I said that last week. Some of this is purely my opinion. But whose opinion are you going to listen to in order to grow? That's the question. Do we trust Pastor's opinion? I'm not talking about making him Lord of my life. He needs to be Lord of his home. I'll be Lord of my home. I'm just saying, who can we learn from? Who is it in your life that their opinion trumps your opinion? That's a tough one. That's a tough one. Because if you have none, then you have no leadership. It's the truth. It's quiet. I know I'm trying to teach you something. If you have nobody that can speak above your opinion that can draw you back in from wrong opinion, then you have no leadership. I've experienced this many times through the years, trying to encourage people, trying to help people in the Lord, and I've discovered you cannot help people who refuse to honor and respect people in their lives. 
You cannot. You cannot speak to them. You cannot encourage them. You cannot instruct them in righteousness. It doesn't matter if you have, you could pull out a scripture that was literally verbatim what they need to hear. And the answer will always be, well, that's your opinion. So first, or sorry, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15. God wants to change something in you. God wants to change something in you. An account that the long-suffering of the Lord, of our Lord is salvation, even our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. As also in his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable wrestle, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware lest you also, being led away with error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow, everybody say grow. In the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter admits that there are some things which Paul says which are going to require some thought. This is Peter's words concerning what Paul is writing to the churches. There are some things that he says that are difficult. There are some things that he says that are hard. You don't get to check out of the process. I, I love what Peter does here. Because I, I can hear the argument going on amongst the people who Peter is writing to. That Paul has said some things. And now, in my opinion, this is conjecture. But I can hear this. I think if you look, you can see, you can see this interwoven in there. Man, Peter, I don't know. Paul's saying some things that are just, they're just really hard. They're really difficult. I, I, I just don't know that I agree with that. And Peter says, listen, you don't get to check out of the process of learning and growth because it's difficult for you to want to wrap your mind about, around what Paul is trying to say to you. Because he says, if you do this, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're not going to grow, but you're going to fall in with those who wrestle and twist the scriptures, the other ones, the ones that you respect and the ones that you love, because you won't listen to the man who's trying to tell you something that you don't want to hear. And you will become unstable and you will fall from grace and you will lose your salvation as a result of your inability or your rejection of the difficulty of what Paul is trying to say to you. Therefore, because you already know these things, now he's going to turn it. He's going to help them to understand. You already know what I've just told you. Therefore, you need to look at this as an opportunity to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. When things are difficult, when things do not ring so perfectly within our hearts, when there is a challenge that convicts us, is anybody get convicted from time to time. I think there could have been some conviction. There should have been some conviction within our hearts. That we should have said, yeah, you know what? I think we have, we have tried to lowball this thing. The kids say low-key today. We've tried to lowball this thing and take all the emotion out of it. And you know what? I am an emotional person and I need to glorify the Lord with my emotion. Were you convicted today? Or do you dismiss it and say, well, you know, that's just not who I am. And if that's the case, then you're going to do that with what I preach tonight. And if that's the case, then you're going to do that with what pastor preaches Next Sunday morning, when you start excusing yourself from the responsibility of taking on difficult things that challenge your life, you are not only done growing, but you are backsliding 
and falling away from your faith. This is what Peter is trying to lay out for us. Peter makes this very important assertion. Don't be carried away by those who refuse to be governed. This is really, honestly, if there is a, an overall message that has gripped the American church, the message is nobody has a right to tell you anything. It's all about come and experience the Lord for yourself in your own way. And should anybody dare get up and say, listen, that's not the Lord. That man's quenching the spirit. It is about people pleasing. It is about tickling your ears. And this message has been being spoken for the last few weeks. But do not be carried away with those who refuse to be governed. But grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Your protection against apostasy, backsliding, and schism is growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the only protection you have. If you do not grow, then you will be led away. You cannot sit back at the gate with those who are ungodly and take counsel from them. Blessed are those who walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And somebody, somebody has got to tell you what the law of the Lord is. Because there's just some things that we don't know. There's some things we don't know because of environment. There's some things we don't know because of affluence. There's some things that we don't know because we have mistranslated and abused the scripture. And so we need to learn from the law of the Lord. Amen? Amen. But you don't get to pick the subject that you want to take. This isn't the college where you get to go up and you say, well, I'm going to take this class and I think I'll take that class, um, home ec and PE. And, uh, but I'm not taking calculus and I'm not taking chemistry and I'm not taking physics. No, you don't, you don't get to pick and choose. The Lord speaks and we must respond. But the moment you begin to stop responding to the, any word of the Lord is that's the place where God stops with you. That's it. God says, okay, now that's all I'm going to speak to you about. Say, so well, I don't want to change in that area. That's all you are going to hear from now until you change or you backslide. I remember this when we were in California and th there was some accusation some railing against um, the leadership. And, and there was this accusation made. Everybody gets up and preaches the same thing. In fact, the accusation was made, Pastor, you're telling these people what to say so they'll preach at us. Now, I think Josh mentioned that. Nobody's, you know, it'd be easier if he did. But think, think about this for a moment. Every one of you sat through the messages. Does it sound like everybody's preaching the exact same thing to you? Just an honest question. We, we, obviously, we have similar thought. Yeah, we're growing. Why would you think then that somebody is only hearing one message? It's because where we say, no, God, God says, that's the only place I'm going to deal with you. The rich young ruler comes and he says, what must I do? Jesus tells him and the rich young ruler says, uh-uh, nerp, not doing it. Now, does the Lord then say, okay, you know what? I'll deal with that later. I mean, really, money is not the end of all things. We know that. To be wealthy doesn't mean you're going to hell necessarily. I mean, maybe he contributes, but... Jesus doesn't say, okay, we're going to bypass this test. We're going to not deal with this right now because clearly you're not ready for that. And let's just move over here. We'll talk about salvation. We'll talk about love. We'll do a lot of other things. And we'll come back to that later on. No, if he ever approached Jesus again, Jesus' question to him would have been, have you gone and sold all you had and given it to the poor? That's it. 
I love Pastor Wayne when he used to marriage counsel. Uh, our friend who pastored the door in Pennsylvania. People would come to him and he would say, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to read these passages of scriptures every day. This, and I want you to fast and I want you to pray. And then I want you to come back in a week and we're going to talk. And the people would come back and he'd say, did you do this, 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 and this? No. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. Good night. And this is how the Lord deals with us. Point being, the Lord is not going to move beyond where we, don't, uh, we, don't, we feel uncomfortable, we don't want to deal with. That's not how the Lord's going to do this. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. And this applies to so many areas, and I'm getting to manliness here in a minute, but I, I just, I think it's so important because we have to learn how to be learners. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head even Christ. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow up in all things in Christ. It doesn't matter if you like the subject. I have discovered something that I believe is a a poignant truth, though it's not very deep. And that is this, that there are the very things that I want to talk about the least are the very issues that God wants to deal with in me the most. It's just the truth. The issues that I want to keep down, want to cover up, want to hide, want, want to keep from the forefront. I, I can be doing a lot of things right, but the one nagging thing, that's the issue that God really wants to talk to me about the most. He's trying to purify me. He's trying to set me apart. He's trying to, to fix some brokenness. He's trying to help me become the father he wants me to be and the husband he wants me to be and the son he wants me to be and the brother he wants me to be. And, and I can't develop into that because I'm refusing to deal with some things that he wants to deal with. There are those who exercise a pseudo-learning though. So instead of dealing with our issues, we put on a front of learning. I could liken these, these are typified really quickly by the millions of young adults who have neglected work in order to go party for four years. And they will graduate more educated than you. Every one of them is going to have more education than me because I only have high school and I don't know if anybody in here has really much of a degree. Maybe I'm wrong thinking. No, we're all normal people. Oh, my mom. Okay, yeah, you're right. She's the most education. She's the craziest. So that's, that, that works. Okay. This pseudo learning. I mean, academia tells you you are nothing unless you Learn. Man, you come to our schools and we're going to teach you all these important things. And what are they learning in these places? They're not learning how to read. They're not learning how to write. Many of them can't even do that. They're not learning how to balance checkbooks. They don't know what a hard day's work looks like. They couldn't wash and iron their own clothes, most of them. They don't know how to make dinner. All they know how to do is live off of mom and dad while somebody feeds them a line of garbage. And they become experts in wokeness. They become experts in eating manure. Their bodies become, become good at processing garbage. But they're educated. It's a pseudo-education, pseudo-learning. And there are many people who fill church pews, who've checked out of the growth process, but present this learned exterior present ourselves as though we do not need to grow i think the difficulty in growth the difficulty in learning is the vulnerability of it how do you learn if you are hard man and i know and i'm not going to be led and so the being vulnerable and admitting there's some things that I need to learn, there's some areas I need to grow in, that's so difficult for us as adults. 
And I told Brandon and Mandy this the other night that as you grow, as you're, as you're raising your children, there's going to be some things that you realize I need to adjust in this process. When you start out with those babies, Rodney and Dara are getting ready to start here. You think you've got, you're, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And then about in the middle of that thing, you go, oh my goodness, I don't have a clue what I'm doing here. I don't have a clue. You start talking to people. You start, hey dad, what, what did you do when your idiot son did that? I don't, I don't know what to do. So you, you have to reevaluate. You have to admit that there's some areas that I need, I need to, some understanding in. And I believe this is what the Lord wants to do in us tonight. I want to look at a few scriptures to help us set this up. The first one being 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6. For of this sort are they which creep into houses. Now I want you to think about this in terms, men of you being lords. And women, I want you to read this scripture in terms of you being submissive to the dominion, the domain of the man that God has placed in your life to, to protect and govern. Is this not exactly what God did with Adam and Eve in the garden? Okay, I want you to think about it in these terms. For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead silly women Lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Adam's original sin really is much different than Eve's. Adam's original sin is that God placed him to have dominion the first sin, the first lapse in the purpose of God for our lives was done by Adam when he was not on guard and allowed the serpent to come in. We look to Eve, Eve was seduced. Eve was a silly woman led captive by her own passions. Men, I'm not going to labor on this point very long, but I want you to think about something. There needs to be some direction set by you and that your house needs to be led by order and dominion, not by the emotion of femininity. If you allow the feminine emotion to run your home, you're going to have a problem because you're going to burn bridges you shouldn't burn. You're going to break relationships you shouldn't break. You're going to tolerate things you should not tolerate. And there needs to be, remember I said a few couple weeks ago, you don't have a feminine side. If you want a feminine side, get, get a, a woman, get married, and now you've got a feminine side. Yes, you need to work together. But listen to that verse. I, I, I didn't write this. I didn't make this up. You don't like it, women? Yell at Peter. No, sorry, yell at Paul. We're in Timothy. Yell at Paul. These are those who creep into houses. Do they belong in the house? No. Why are they in the house? Because the man's not doing his job. And what are they doing in there? They're leading frivol frivolity. They're leading in, in this, this lack of discernment. They're leading women captive, led away by their own lust. But what is this whole, whole part of the, of the problem? The issue is in the next verse, that they are, they are ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So if we want our homes to be in truth, men, I'm not suggesting for a second that our, our wives do not play into this because they 100% do. We work together in this. But it is our job to set the boundaries for the home. It's your duty. It's what you're called to. You've got to be the beacon of truth in your home. And if you are waiting for your wife to do it, then you are an heir. If our wives come up short of setting truth in our homes, it's our fault because it wasn't their job in the first place. I think this is largely, and this is totally conjecture, but I believe this is largely why Adam 
ate knowingly. He was not deceived. He fully understood exactly what was going to happen. Eve was was seduced. She was tricked into thinking that if she did this, she would grow in a relationship with God. Adam saw it much differently. This is clear within the scripture. And I believe that he understands the result of what's happening to Eve is going to be, what's going to happen to Eve is the result of him lapsing in his duty. And so whatever she has coming to her, he has coming to him because it was his job. And I believe that this helps us to see what dominion is about. What domain is about, what lordship is about. It's about owning the responsibility of saying, listen, I'm going to make sure that I protect. There are roaring lions sitting outside of my home looking for my wife and my children. And I'm not letting my wife load the gun and worry about it while I sleep. I'm going to make sure that I'm protecting my home. And I'm setting the course and the boundaries for the direction that I believe God's taking us in. In order to reach maturity, we have to grow up. That's the problem. Dustin read this verse the other night, and I said, well, you jumped right on my, on my message Sunday night, but 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and verse 11, when I was a child... I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. That is a powerful scripture. Is there a need for growth in your life? Is there a need for maturity? Does God want to take you from where you're at to another level of maturity in your life. Absolutely. That is, there, there is a prescription for this that we just read by the Apostle Paul. And now I want to get into, we've been talking about the learning, but I want to I look at a couple of specific things. I thought about this. When I was a child, I played like a child. I had army men. Any of you men have, boys have army men when you were little? Raise your hand if you did. I mean, because I'm looking like maybe, I guess, dad, dad probably didn't have them back when you were little. And Rick, Rick you're dating yourself, Rick. <laughs> that army men, knowing is half the battle, G.I. Joe. That was, that was a big cartoon. You couldn't do that now because everybody would be transgender. But um, So we had army men and we would take those army men and you'd paint them. You get one opposing team and the other opposing team and you create little worlds. You know, you get out there in the dirt pile and you get your shovel and your stick and I always like to have a river flowing right down through the middle of everything. It kind of separated the, the army men and I staged them and you mock war and you put everything together and when I was a child, I played with army men. But when I became a man... I don't play with army men anymore. Pastor Rodney, are you saying army men is sinful? No, I'm saying it's childish. And that's where we get caught up so much. Men, I'm speaking to you men. We get so caught up in wanting to defend and justify whatever it is that we want to do and say, well, that's not sinful. We're not talking about sin. We're talking about growing up. When I was a baby, I laid in my mother's arms and drank milk from a bottle. I'm a man. I should not be laying in my mother's arms and drinking milk. Sitting up, big glass of raw milk with some cookies, maybe not in my mother's arms. Why? Just, let's just process this. Let's get all offenses out of the way. Let's stop worrying about how people perceive things. And let's just process this. When I was a child, there were some things I did that were childish. But if I'm going to grow into maturity, there's got to be some things that I put away because they are childish. Because I got responsibilities. Got some things I've got to do. I will always remember when we were... Going to the dunes, we used to take the quad riding trips, and we would go to the dunes, and all of us guys, I know Chad and Austin, me and I think even dad did too, 
We always had backpacks, our fox riding backpacks or whatever kind of backpack. And in that backpack got things that are necessary for an emergency situation. You get out there and you're going to have things that break. So you got a couple of screwdrivers and some wrenches. You got a, a tire, a flat tire kit, you know, the green slime, I carried that. Um, toe strap, an emergency blanket. I usually had a couple of bottles of water and maybe like a granola bar. Um, some flashers, if you had those, a flashlight, a knife, just in case we get out in the middle, two, three miles out away from everything and something goes sideways, at least you have something to cover up with and try to get back to camp. I'll never forget Parker. He, looking at us men, which is exactly what young men are supposed to do. Young men are supposed to look at old men and say, I want to be like that. Young men should look at their fathers and say, I want to be just like him. So Parker, he had developed, and most of you know this, but I, it just is so perfect. He had developed for himself the emergency kit that he needed to survive in case of an emergency. Underwear sealed in a small Tupperware container. A T-ball trophy. And a green plastic Dollar Tree gun. And he literally rode everywhere with that stuff in his backpack. Now that's really funny when Parker does it at six years old. It's not funny if Austin's doing it right now. If Austin's emergency kit in his truck consists of a green plastic gun, a T-ball trophy, the underwear and the Tupperware might be okay. But if, if his emergency kit consists of that, hey, it's all going to hit the fan and I got to be ready. That man is delusional. None of us would think he's even stable. Why? It's not weird for a child to do that. When I was a child, I had green plastic guns. But when I became a man, I bought real ones. There is a principle here that we need to get a hold of, men. We need to grow up. Grow up. There are some things, and if there's ever been a time in, a, in the world where men need to be sober and need to be intentional and need to be deliberate about what they are doing, it is right now because we live in an immensely perilous time. Not only is it my duty to be prepared with what I need to help protect my family as best as possible. We always think about these things in the natural, but remember we're acting out in the natural what we're going to do in the spiritual. Not only is that important, but I also need this grandbaby when he's born, he needs to be able to look at his daddy and to look at his granddaddy and to look at his great granddaddy and be able to mimic what they are doing and see that that is the foundation to build on. So if he looks at his daddy and his daddy's still just being a baby and won't grow up and get rid of a bunch of childish toys, then he looks at his grandpappy and says, man, granddad, he's still playing with all the toys too. Then he looks to great grandpa. What is his example? And this is the generation that is being raised right now. A generation that doesn't know how to throw a baseball because dad knows how to do it on the Wii, but he doesn't know how to do it in real life. A generation that's, that's just completely consumed with entertainment. They cannot, you see children all the time and it, it's one of the things that drives me most crazy. You see a little two-year-old baby crying in a restaurant and instead of picking that baby up and saying, you stop it right now, or they disappear for five minutes while they get their backside warmed up. No, 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 what do we do? Shove a tablet in front of them. Teach them how to cope. Here's how you cope. You got something you don't like? Entertain yourself. When I was a child... I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. My reasoning was such that I thought I was always right. When I was little, I thought that everything I was doing was the right thing to do. 
I remember reasoning a few times when my dad said, hey, or mom, I remember specifically said, don't get wet. And I remember watching that creek flowing next to our house and we had a little small swimming pool, um, you know, one with about the foot sides that the little guys swim in. And I thought, man, that would make a great raft. And I know I was told not to get in that water, but that sounds more fun. And I would rather do that and get a spanking than not. That's how children reason. Children are victims. Children do not listen. That's why you got to tan their backsides all the time. That's why you got to tell them the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. God's trying to tell you something. You know why? Because you won't grow up. Children eat what they shouldn't eat. Children don't know limits. Children won't take care of themselves. They don't bathe. They don't do hygiene. They eat garbage. If you give them a, um, a wall of cotton candy, that's all they would consume. They know no boundaries. They know no limits. They don't know right from wrong in most cases. This should not be the description of godly men and women. We've got to grow up. We need to stop worrying about what is permissible. Paul said, okay, let's just settle it this way. Everything's permissible. Is that what you want to hear? Do whatever you want to do. But let me tell you some other way. Not everything is good for you. You can make excuses to do whatever you want. But that does not mean that's God's plan for your life. So, how does learning and growing take place in us? I've got two places I want to look at and then we'll be done. Luke Chapter 2, in verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. Remember, we are lords, and he is the Lord of lords. Dad's been, I think Dad probably spurred this within me as he began to talk about for the last year, our rabbi. And we are literally to emulate what Jesus was on this earth is what we are to be. All the men say amen. So, if Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor, then why do we think that we've hit a level at 30 or 45 or 65 where we would not need to grow anymore? The Lord, the Lord of lords, God Almighty, who became flesh, humbled himself, took upon the form of a servant. He's the one who grew in wisdom, and stature, and favor with God and with man. So likewise, this is what we need to be doing. We need to be growing. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 8 says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Now, pastor dealt with this a few months ago, and it was beautiful. It wasn't the suffering of the cross where Jesus learned obedience. Because he never would have gone to the cross had he not already learned obedience. It was that time where we know nothing from 12 to 30. The time where he's just learning how to take orders from Joseph. Because if he can't go to work with Joseph and learn, when Joseph says, hey, Jesus, I need you to go over there and I need you to get that chisel or I need you to get that hammer or that block or whatever it is they were doing and I need you to bring that over here. I'm going to teach you how to construct whatever it was. Whether it's furniture, whether it was a, a rock quarry and they're building houses, we don't, we don't really know. But if he, do you think that he just automatically knew how to do the work that Joseph was doing? No, because the scripture says that he grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with his daddy, with men. And if he, as a man, could not learn from men, then he could not learn from God. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. This is how God does it. God gives the gospel how? By preaching. I just said it. And who does the preaching? Men. 
The world was turned upside down. So much so that the Jews said, everybody is going to become a Christian. And they did not have a Bible. A Bible is the most blessed possession of my life. I love it. I, my, my little bookcase is full of them. I have all kinds of them. and I love them. I love to read different translations. And... But this Bible also has created something in us that is very dangerous. And it is this idea that I am lone wolf and I need no man to teach me anything. We've got to learn. He learned. Obedience. Through the things that he suffered. I want to grow in wisdom and knowledge from luxury, affluence, and excess. That's how I want to grow in wisdom and knowledge. How about you? Better yet, bonbons, a recliner, and my favorite TV show. That's how I want to grow. You know, I would love to grow. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could just plug in at night to the wall, to the computer, and it just downloaded the information, the wisdom that I needed? Wouldn't that be awesome? You, know, you can, the, the, the old, uh, what was his name? They did the, the self-help guru. You are awesome. You are great. You are awesome. You know, you can just listen to that all night long and you wake up the next morning. I am awesome. I am great. I mean, this is, this would be the way I want to grow in wisdom. I want to grow in favor and in stature without any difficulty in my life whatsoever. But the Lord learned obedience through the discipline of his life. Our Lord, the one we're to be like, learned obedience through subjecting himself to teachers, to being a son under his father, learning the trade that his daddy was trying to teach him, his earthly father was trying to teach him. And in that, then he is preparing so that when his heavenly father begins to declare to him what it is that he is to say, he already knows how to listen to someone in authority. And you practice. You're going to have an opportunity tonight. Should you have something that I have said that you disagree with, you're going to have an opportunity to grow. You're going to have a chance to leave here and grow. When you say, you know what? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's something that uh, is Pastor Rodney's opinion, but I'm really... I'm really anxious to become the man that God wants me to be. And Lord, if that's what you want for my life, then man, I, I, I'm ready to receive that from you. It's the preaching of the word of God. I'm not perfect. My words aren't infallible. You have every right to challenge them. But the problem with challenging them is you begin to challenge all of them. That's the issue. So we want to have a right spirit about this, Amen. It's difficult for us to grasp this truth, but we learn and we grow and we are strengthened in our faith by the difficult things that we go through, not by the positive things that we go, go through. Jacob, we've talked about this. You are being matured in your faith at an exponential speed compared to what it would be if you did not experience what you're going through. The more difficult the trial, the greater opportunity for growth. The more difficult the situation, the more difficult it is to listen to such a, a pompous, idiot, 45-year-old guy up there thinking he knows everything. That's me, in case you didn't know. The more difficult it is, the greater opportunity for you to develop what God wants to see done in you. With the principle of weightlifting, and I'm finishing up, but the principle of weightlifting is you cannot grow in mass. You cannot get stronger by, do, by lifting something that does not tear the muscles in your body. The muscles have to be torn, and in their tearing, they, re, they restructure, they grab back together, and that's why they get bigger, because they're torn, and then they expand, and they expand, and strength grows. But if you lighten up and do nothing that causes any labor, you will never increase strength. If you run from every difficulty, you will never mature. If you run from the face of everything that is difficult in your life, everything you don't want to hear, everything you don't want to deal with, everything you disagree with, you will never become the man God wants you to be. And likewise, you'll never be the women God wants you to be. It was in that time frame. He wasn't doing anything supernatural. There was nothing supernatural happening. From 12 to 30. 
No miracles. No signs and wonders. Many people today are deceived into thinking that we grow because of the miraculous. Many people in church today are expecting that when we get Holy Ghost revival service, that's when we grow. But Jesus didn't grow in that. Jesus grew in 12 to 30. No miracles, no signs, no wonders. Now, I'm not suggesting God doesn't do those things. And I'm not suggesting we're not blessed by them. And I'm not suggesting we don't sit back and watch this thing and and jump and leap when God brings a miracle in Jake's body. Absolutely. But the growth takes place not in the miracle. The growth takes place in the trial. That's where God's trying to grow us. Because tomorrow when you wake up, you're not walking in the supernatural. You're walking in the ugly natural. With all the issues of life, with all the difficulties of your children. Yeah, maybe tomorrow you got the day off and you get to eat a, a barbecue and you don't have to go to work. But Tuesday you got to go to work. And there isn't going to be anything supernatural about Tuesday. Okay, well, we get to go out on Wednesday and we'll have church and we'll get to pray. But Thursday, we're back to the grind. And I'm going to tell you that God wants to grow you in the natural things that you're living. In that just learning how to be a godly man on the job. Learning how to be a godly woman on the job. Learning how to be a godly husband and wife around the house. Learning how to be a godly son or daughter. This is where God's trying to produce growth in us. Teaching us. So we learn... By the example of our Lord, we learn through suffering. And secondly, the second way we learn is by example. This is the last, well, second to last scripture I want to quote to you really quickly in Philippians chapter 4. We learn by example, I want you to listen to the apostle. Chapter 4 and verse 9. And those things which you have both learned... And received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. That is a pretty brash statement. Is it not? Paul said the things you've learned. The things that you have received. The things that you've heard. And the things you've seen me do. All of those things are coming from Paul. What you've learned from me, what you've received from me, what you've heard from me, and what you've watched me do, you need to do them. That is just such a brash statement. So it's easy for you to say because you're a pastor. No, it's not easy for me to say. The same principle goes with, well, it's easy for you to say as the husband because you just want to tell people what to do. No, it's a grave responsibility that I need to make sure that I am being an example in which can be looked at and say, you know what? Maybe I don't know how to walk with Jesus, but I'm going to try to walk in the example that my, my brother has showed me to walk in. It's important. It's absolutely important. And it's lost to our generation because our children have been raised My generation was raised to resent their parents. My mom and dad's generation that that, that were raised in the 70s, that's that, you know, hippie love movement. They absolutely resented their parents and then they taught their children to resent them. And now our children are taught to resent us. And so we do not believe in example anymore. To even say that literally sounds weird to us. Does it not? It sounds a little bit weird. Those things you've seen me do, you need to do them. That's what Paul just said to the Philippian church. Who does Paul think he is? He thinks he's a guy who's trying to give an example of godliness. That's what he thinks. It's not about perfection. It's not about, again, it's not about submission. We're not talking about that. But what example are you going to follow? What example are you going to follow? Men, we need to make sure we are setting examples that our children can look up to and say, you know what, this is how dad found God and this is how I'm going to find God. Frankly, for most of you men who are my age here, Chris isn't here tonight, but Dustin and, and Josh and even, even Austin in some sense and Isaac in some sense, you have a respect for my father because you saw in him an example of how to live for Jesus that you did not find in your own fathers or the lack of fathers. That's not wrong. But then now it's the responsibility of us not only to follow example, but to 
lead by example. See, everything I'm saying about what, what it requires for us to learn now means what are we leaving to our children? We need to teach them how to learn. We need to teach them how to grow. It's a bold statement. And, and I really believe this, and I know it's not the case here, but I, I think it's still worth saying. If someone is attending a church where they have a pastor that they cannot respect and in some sense emulate, model after the example of, then they need to find a different church. Because the gospel is preached by men. Imperfect men, men who are fallible, men who have like passion, men who sometimes do stupid things, men who have bad attitudes at times, but gospel is preached by men. Pastoring is done by men. Jesus left this thing in the hands of men. And when men put their hands to the earth, Dustin, the earth produces. Because it's God's design that we would lay our hands. And then the scripture says, hey, Timothy, stir up the gift that was given to you by the laying on of... There is a shepherding. There is a stewarding. You need to think about this, men. We need to make sure that we are stewarding our flock. Shepherding our flock, growing our garden, making sure that the weeds aren't choking it out and making sure things aren't inhibiting the progress that God intends for it. And lastly, it is the grace of God himself that teaches us. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodly and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. That grace of God calls us to learn. We think it's grace that covers our sins. We think it's grace, you know, we just, oh, and grace and we can just do. No, no, grace is calling you to learn. The grace of God is teaching you to become what God wants you to be. Amen? Amen.